Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Stephen King cast, one man's musings on the works of Stephen King. Once, I reviewed each of his works in the chronological order of publication, but Ka is a wheel, it all goes round again, and here I am once more back at the beginning on a new phase of the journey, here to examine each of the endings of the works of Stephen King, to determine whether or not King deserves his reputation for having an inability to successfully land his endings. In the previous episode, I announced that as we moved forward, the focus of the podcast would be to examine specifically the climax, falling action, and resolution of the endings of each of his novels and break it down by characters, themes, conflict, and plot to determine whether or not it meets the criteria of being an objectively good ending. I will also weigh in on whether or not I happen to personally like the ending. So there's going to be a lot of objective, a little bit of subjective to see where the ending falls within that spectrum. And at the end of each of the episodes, as we make our way forward, I will have the tally of how how many of the endings that I have reviewed are objectively good based on the criteria that I have put forth and how much of the ones I happen to like. Uh, based on the subjectivity of it all. So that that actually kind of opens it up to a, a pretty important um, discussion as we move forward because I think that a lot of the times when we discuss um, or, or, you know, us, us armchair critics out there or even podcasters, um, you know, who make a living off of it, I think a lot of the times we, we, we conflate these two criteria, whether, whether it was good or or whether we liked it. Um, and I, I have really made an effort over the last few years to, to draw a line in the sand and, and be able to acknowledge um, that something can be objectively good, um, but it just might not be something that I, I personally respond to. So I, I talked a lot about this in my top 10 episode uh, to close out the decade. And one example I'm going to give, and this is a spoiler alert, everybody, for not a work by Stephen King, but by David Lynch and Mark Frost, uh, Twin Peaks, The Return. I'm going to spoil the ending here uh, because this is an ending that I do not like. Um, I, I personally do not like the ending of Twin Peaks, The Return, uh, but it is objectively a good ending and the most fitting ending for the story that they were telling. And the, the ending is the fulfillment of the creator's intent. Uh, it, it, it is, it's, a, it's, it's a master class in, in a gut-wrenching ending that is the perfect culmination of a show that was designed on many of the, the, the plot beats to purposely not give the audience what it wanted. So for the ending to not give what we wanted, what I wanted personally, was in line with what they were doing with the show. It results with an ending that I felt very sour about um, when the show concluded, but ultimately, it's a very powerful ending. So that's an example of not having to like everything, but being able to acknowledge that the thing that you saw or read or experienced was the fulfillment and the execution of the author's intentions. Um, and when it is, you have to step back personally and then ask why. Well, why did the author want that? And um, even though I was denied my own pleasure or satisfaction or, or whatever, 
um, was that the point? Was that the purpose? And, and how, how can I gain appreciation? So hopefully, if you're someone that struggles with um, finding that, that line between liking and objectively good, hopefully this endeavor will, 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 help, uh, will help you through that. Okay, um, so here is the structure of the episodes as we go forward. Um, I am going to read the Wikipedia summary um, just like I always do. And this, even though um, I'm going to be focusing on just the ending for the analysis portion, I'm going to read the entire Wikipedia summary so I, we have the ending in the context of the, the rest of the plot. Um, so, you know, you don't have to go out, you don't have to read the book. We just have the, the summary here to, to drive the conversation around the end. And then from there, I'm going to get into uh, listener email about the ending of, um, of, of the, the book in question, uh, in this case, Carrie. And then I will get into my, um, my review. Okay. So in the main town from Wikipedia, in the main town of Chamberlain, uh, Maine, Carrietta Carrie White is a 16-year-old girl who is a target of ridicule for her frumpy appearance and unusual religious beliefs instilled by her despotic mother, Margaret. One day, Carrie has her first period while showering after a physical education class. The terrified Carrie has no understanding of menstruation um, as her mother, who despises everything related to intimacy, never told her about it. Carrie's classmates, led by a wealthy, popular girl named Chris, throw tampons and sanitary napkins at her. The gym teacher, uh, Rita uh, Desjardins, I finally got it uh, once upon a time. I was not able to when I started the... Um, the podcast back in 2014, I was pronouncing it Desjardin, but now I know the French, the French pronunciation Desjardin, okay, I, maybe I can't perfectly do it, uh, helps her clean up and tries to explain. On the way home, Carrie develops an unusual ability to control objects from a distance. Margaret furiously accuses Carrie of sin and locks her in a closet so that she may pray. Oh my God. What? Relax. Hold on, guys. Sorry. Uh, Desjardins reprimands the girls who bullied Carrie and punishes them with a week's detention with the penalty for skipping being suspension and exclusion from the prom. This punishment is given to Chris when she defiantly leaves. After an unsuccessful bid to get her privileges reinstated through her influential father, Chris decides to exact revenge on Carrie. Sue Snell, another popular girl, feels shame for her previous behavior and convinces her boyfriend, Tommy Ross, to invite Carrie to the prom instead. Carrie is suspicious but accept his offer and begin sewing herself a prom dress. Meanwhile, Chris persuades her boyfriend, Billy Nolan, and his friends to gather two buckets of pig blood as she prepares a measure to rig the prom, the prom queen election to Carrie's favor. The prom initially goes well for Carrie. Tommy's friends are welcoming, and Tommy himself finds that he is attracted to her. Chris's plan to rig the election is successful, and at the moment of the coronation, Chris, from the outside, dumps the blood onto Carrie and Tommy's heads. Tommy is knocked unconscious by one of the buckets and dies within minutes. The sight of Carrie drenched in blood invokes laughter from the audience. Unable to withstand the humiliation, Carrie leaves the building. Outside, Carrie remembers her telekinesis and decides to enact vengeance on her tormentors. Using her powers, she hermetically seals the gym, activates the sprinkler system, and causes a fire that eventually ignites the school's fuel tanks, causing a massive explosion that destroys the building. 
Those present at the prom are either killed by electric shock, burned from the fire, or suffocate from the smoke. Carrie, in an overwhelming fit of rage, thwarts any incoming effort to fight the fire by opening the hydrants within school's vicinity, then destroys the gas station and cuts power lines on her way home. As she does all this, she broadcasts a telepathic message, making the townspeople aware that the carnage was caused by her, even if they do not know who she is. Carrie returns home to confront, to confront Margaret, who she believes has been possessed by Satan and must be killed. Margaret tells her that her conception was a result of what might have been marital rape. She stabs Carrie in the shoulder with a kitchen knife, but Carrie kills her by mentally stopping her heart. Mortally wounded, Carrie makes her way to the roadhouse where she was conceived. She sees Chris and Billy leaving, having been informed of the destruction by one of Billy's friends. After Billy attempts to run Carrie over, she mentally takes control of his car and sends it racing into the tavern wall, killing both Car uh, Billy and Chris. Sue, who has been following Carrie's broadcast, finds her collapse in the parking lot, bleeding out from the knife wound. The two have a brief telepathic conversation. Carrie had believed that Sue and Tommy had set her up for the prank, but realizes that Sue is innocent and has never felt any real animosity towards her. Carrie forgives her, then dies crying out for her mother. A state of emergency is declared, and as the survivors make plans to relocate, Chamberlain foresees desolation in spite of the government allocation of finances towards rehabilitating the worker districts. Desjardins and the school's principal blame themselves for what happened and resign from teaching. Sue publishes a memoir based on her experiences. As the White Committee report concludes that there are and will be no others like Carrie, an Appalachian woman enthusiastically writes to her sister about her baby's daughter's telekinetic powers and reminisces about their grandmother, who had similar abilities. Okay, so before I begin, what do you have to say about the ending of Carrie? I posed the question on Facebook, and I have a couple responses. Um, Bob writes, The overwhelming end of the school year melancholy of a bygone era clashing with the raw horror of young people dying horrifically and the tragic glimpses of what Carrie's life could have been. There's a stomach-churning urgency that really works, and I agree. And then Shane writes, Carrie isn't one of my favorite of kings. It's his rage tale with mind powers to me. It's one of my least favorite endings of his because um, it does the cliffhanger the end question mark type of ending with that letter hinting at a new girl with powers. Um, and that's that's interesting. So that, that's where a lot of subjectivity comes into this and preference. Um, for some people, that level of ambiguity um, is, um, is something to like. And for others, um, in the case of Shane, um, he might not like it so much. Personally speaking, it's something that I find to be... Um, powerful when done the right way and in this case I, I think that it is i have one email from bryant about the ending of carrie and he writes um so my question was what do you have to say about the ending of carrie and um bryant writes first of all that the end episode i'm talking about last episode was a world-class fake out you magnificent prick you got me um so i know that i, I heard from some of you um that you were concerned that I was going to announce the ending of the Stephen King cast. Uh, no, no, I don't foresee that occurring anytime soon. But I had fun teasing all of you. Anyway, Bryant continues, On the subject of Carrie's ending, it's probably one of my favorites in King's work. As you kind of hinted when announcing this subject, it's hard to determine exactly where the end begins. That's a very broad topic, which makes this idea of yours for the new version of the podcast utterly brilliant. I'm 100 on board with the impetus for being that lamentably awful running joke in It Chapter 2, which really soured me on an already mediocre movie. 
Anyways, back to Carrie. I think I'd personally consider the ending to mean everything from the prom forward. The devastation of the prom is iconic in every way, arguably due to the Sissy Spacek movie more so than the novel itself, but that's fine by me. I absolutely love the cutaway to uh, testimony from the hearings, especially the bits where eyewitnesses try to describe what it was like to have Carrie's thought present in their mind. That's an effective depiction of the alienness of telepathy as any I know of in literature. Carrie feels like she's being denied from entering the church is awesome. Carrie stopping Margaret's heart is awesome. Sue being present in Carrie's mind when Carrie's life ends is one of the most effective moments in all of King's works. And the fact that this climaxes with Sue getting her own period and learning she's not pregnant after all is the icing on the cake. I instantly regret connecting period blood with cake icing. That was unfortunate. Then, too, there's the coda, in which it is hinted that some other little girl somewhere is gifted, cursed, in the same way Carrie is. These days, that would seem like a setup for a sequel, but to me, it just reads like a warning, like an ominous, ominous exclamation mark on a worrying sentence. For me, it's a classic ending. It pays off the novel that came before it, and that's the best you can ask for. Okay, um, so we've had a, a couple different opinions here um, about the ending, and like Bryant said, what is uh, where are we going to start um, uh, with with the ending? Well, we're going to start with the climax, and um, the, the climax um, is the um, it's when the, the the conflict is resolved one way or another. So. The, the climax in this case takes place at the prom. All right, it is, it is the scene. It's everything just like Bryant said onwards. So the climax is the prom scene when there is the question of whether or not um, wh whatever the prank is, it would occur. And then it is our, oh, our anticipation of the promise of uh, Carrie's telekinetic powers and how far she can be pushed. How far can this girl be pushed before she pushes back? That is the climax of this story. It is the prom scene, the bucket falling, Carrie's rage. The falling action is Carrie's rampage throughout town. It's when Carrie kills her mother and is mortally wounded in the process. The resolution is Carrie and Sue having their moment. It's the, um, the, the, the conclusion to the White Report, and it is the letter at the end. So we're going to be talking about the events from the prom scene until the ending. That is what we are going to constitute the ending, and we are going to ask the question of whether or not this is a good ending by asking a series of questions, the first of, it, the first of which is... Does it provide an appropriate conclusion to its characters that are consistent with the character's actions, conflicts, or themes from the book? Though the novel is titled after the blood-drenched prom queen, what's so gripping about it is that King provides us the perspective of nearly every character in the book. We see the story through multiple perspectives. We know Sue. We know that Sue, whether she's an unreliable narrator or not, um, listen to my review uh, of the first episode of the Stephen King cast, um, but we, we see the events through Sue's eyes. Um, we spend time with Billy and Chris. We spend time with uh, Rita Desjardins. Um, so we, we understand these different characters. And so when the conclusion happens, they, they aren't just 
the we're not getting full satisfaction from the the payoff here because we have spent time with them and they are in some ways um, victims, much like Carrie. And there are faces to the deaths um, that occur because of Carrie. So I would say from the, the victim perspective, we get to know them and their resolutions are fitting. Um, and from Carrie's perspective, certainly it is a horribly tragic ending for this character who never had a chance to live her life and was a, a shut in, made fun of, and then goes out in, in a blaze of horror. It's awful. It is awful. And it is a hell of a way to start um, a career the way that, that Stephen King managed to do. But I would say that, yes, this is an appropriate conclusion to the characters. Um, the conclusion that we are given of these characters is consistent with the actions of the characters, with the arcs of these characters, the traits of these characters, um, the conflicts that these characters are having with one another within the story. So yes, from I, objectively speaking, this provides an appropriate conclusion to the characters. Next question. Does it uh, serve the theme or symbolism mo running motifs? Um, and I'm going to channel uh, Mr. Oh, what's his name? Maybe I'm not going to channel him that well if I can't remember his name. Um, Mr. Mackey. Mr. Mackey from South Park. Um, bullying is bad, okay? Uh, yeah, so yes, it absolutely does. It serves the theme. Uh, the themes of the story aren't deeply profound, but then again, they don't have to be. It's a morality tale served up in a revenge story. If the novel presents the dark side of humanity through the actions of the bullies, then the explorations of the ramifications of those actions are necessary in order to land this plane. There is bloodthirst in this novel, from the bullies who throw their tampons in the beginning, Margaret White's fanaticism, and most importantly, in each and every reader who feverishly flips each page until he or she reaches the moment when they simultaneously yearned for and dreaded that moment when Carrie finally showed others the pain that she had been inflicting on been inflicted on for her entire life from a symbolic standpoint the book begins with her having her first period and includes with the character iconically drenched in blood so yes i would say from an objective standpoint the conclusion serves the theme and the symbolism that was running throughout the novel. Next question. Does it successfully wrap up the plot? Specifically, do the events build upon one another with consistency? Um, I would say so. Uh, King hurtled us towards prom night with a number of mysteries to tantalize us. Will Carrie make it to the prom before Margaret finally snaps? What role will Tommy play in all of this? What are Billy and Chris up to? Will the town finally learn about Carrie's powers? Will Carrie ever truly confront her mother? Each and every one of these plot points are given significant weight and pay off. So there aren't any lingering questions. Um, King spends the time making sure that each of these plot points are in fact paid off um, and are paid off tragically. Um, you know, we get a, an awful fight scene here between mother and daughter. And despite the fact that Margaret is crazy and, you know, going back to the, the, the bloodthirst that the, the readers might have, I mean, you, you might say, yeah, finally she gets it. But I mean, think about it. I mean, she goes out trying to murder her kid and her kid stops her heart. It's awful. It's awful. Um, but it is uh, definitely impactful and it is a proper conclusion. Uh, to the story from a plot perspective. So yes, um, I will say that it successfully wraps up the plot as was presented to us. Okay, 
Next question. Are there other factors that we need to consider? Um, yes, uh, like I said, the ending completely frames the entirety of this novel um, as a tragedy. Um, it is a, a revenge story. The fact that you get caught up in, in Carrie's revenge makes you complicit. Um, you know, it, it's hard to reread this novel, uh, knowing what the ending is. I mean, no one goes into this story blind at this point. Um, you, you all know. I mean, it's, it's, it's a part of our culture. You know what Carrie means. You know what um, the, the, the term prom queen, when you think of it, there, there is a connotation for the blood-drenched, pig blood, um, sissy spacic um, character interpretation of it. So that's a part of it. But knowing what you know about it, you every single thing that happens with Carrie breaks your heart a little bit more and a little bit more. And, you know, I think that that's something that, that we need to consider here is that um, in a day and age where, you know, we have um, kids that have been bullied turning into school shooters, um, you know, you, 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 we have a novel here where a kid who was bullied who, this is basically the, the, the supernatural um, version of that, where all of the rage that she has um, pent up, um, she lets loose, and um, to, to 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 have to, for King to to have the reader sympathize with that, that is um, it's off-putting, and and it's very icky. Um, you know, you never truly want to sympathize. And I'm going to be perfectly honest; I've never discussed this in the. Uh, in the, the five years I've been doing this, in the 200 plus, um, but I, I there's one novella that I just, I haven't discussed at all. I haven't even mentioned its name. Um, I've purposely chosen not to do it, and that's Rage. I won't talk about it. I won't review it. I won't read it again. King has pulled it from the shelves. He won't have it published again, rightfully so. I don't want to talk. I don't want to vilify. I don't want to, I don't want to glorify. I don't want to get in the head of anyone that, that would do that uh, to children or people that dedicate themselves to uh, being educators and shaping tomorrow, today. I, I, I don't want to get into the head of anyone that would um, target that. Um, so that's why I've never touched upon rage. And um, this is, like um, like Shane said in, in his, uh, his thoughts that he shared on Facebook, this is rage with supernatural abilities. And I can see that. I can see that. And so that's why it's... Um, you have to go into it knowing that you are um, meant to be sympathetic to someone that enacts a tragedy within a school setting. And in 2020, um, that has um, real-world um, pain that didn't exist uh, on the same level that, that uh, when King wrote it. It is uh, a disgusting and unfortunate and tragic reality of our current society um, and it was a nightmare um, when King wrote it meaning that it was a dream it was a bad dream but we could you could be awoken from it we are living in this nightmare now and so it's different um, we can't wake up from it we're not going to wake up from it um, there is an inevitability um, just without getting too political here but the, the measures needed to be taken will never truly be taken. And it's, it's a sad and unfortunate, awful, awful, awful truth. Um, and that is something that we need to consider when um, 
embarking on the journey of reading Carrie, especially with the ending taking place in a school with a bullying exacting revenge on tormentors. Okay, and that's why at the beginning of the first episode, um, you know, bullying exists and we see bullying play out on a national stage. And if anyone feels as though they are being targeted um, and made to feel less than, please seek assistance because you are not alone um, and help can be provided. Um, even if even if the help is just you being able to uh, get frustrations off of your chest in a healthy, therapeutic way, please, please take advantage of the help that is there for you. Um, also, as stated, as I stated in the original review, the inclusion of the Sue Snell White Committee inserts um, uh, the Sue Snell White. Sue, sorry, my dog is distracting me. The Sue Snell White Committee inserts. Um, potentially frame Sue Snell as an unreliable narrator, which allows for a more critical reread. It's an X factor to the book that throws what we know into doubt and makes us wonder how much of what we read was true versus how much of what we read was presented to us to downplay the role of the narrator whose actions directly led to Carrie attending the prom, which resulted in the destruction of the town and a number of deaths. So for more um, of my thoughts on Sue Snell as an unreliable narrator, please seek out my original review, episode one of the Stephen King cast. It should be noted that the most famous and the most riveting sequences of the book occur within the ending of this particular book. This isn't always the case. It doesn't mean that all endings of a story need to include the best or the most riveting or most iconic sequences, but it certainly doesn't hurt. And that's something that I'm going to be exploring as we head forward in this particular endeavor. So when someone thinks of, of Carrie, they happen to think of the ending. They might think of the tampon scene in the beginning, but... The first thing I'm sure that what comes to mind is the pig blood coming down and Sissy Spacek losing it. Um, and because that does occur in in the conclusion of this novel, um, I think that that really speaks to the power of the ending of this particular novel. Um, you know, some cases that... that some regard that that's not always going to be the case like i said so i i'm i've been going through this and, and getting all my notes ready and i just got to it and spoiler alert for it i i would argue that the most iconic most famous scene from it is georgie denbro's death which is far from the last sequence it's the first thing that kicks off the book so i mean is the end of it terrible because the most iconic scene is not at the end? No, of course not. Um, don't worry. I have a lot to say about the ending of It. Uh, but that that's just an example that is fresh in my mind. So just because you don't get the most iconic sequence in the conclusion, it, it does not necessarily mean that the, the ending is, is um, less than. Um, but I, I certainly think that in some cases it, it makes the argument for the book, uh, the ending of the book being objectively good. Um, or memorable. This is a uh, harrowing, tragic, um, memorable ending to King's first story. So here we go. Uh, I have two questions to ask myself. The first, do I like the ending? Yeah, I like the ending. This is a really well done ending. Um, I found it gripping. Um, I was there. I was wincing um, as I read it. So yes, I like the ending. Okay, now based on everything that we had discussed from the conclusion to its characters, we said yes, they are consistent with the characters' actions, conflicts, and themes in the books. It serves the themes and symbolisms and motifs. 
it successfully wraps up the plot. It builds upon the events um, of one another with consistency. We talked about the X factors, the other factors that go into the ending, and it's all complementary. So is it a good ending? Yes, the ending to Carrie is a good ending. So for right now, Stephen King has a 100% ending rating. Um, he's one for one. Um, so right now he is proving the critics wrong. Stephen King can conclude his stories appropriately and consistently um, with what he has presented within that particular novel. Okay? So if you have any thoughts on what I have said about the ending of Carrie, please write in to stephenkingcast at yahoo.com and in the subject heading write Carrie Ending. I will share your thoughts on next week's episode. Furthermore, so you um, can help provide some context for the conversation around next week's episode, I'm going to be examining the conclusion of Salem's Lot. So again, if you have any thoughts on Salem's Lot ending, please write into Salem's Lot, I'm sorry, StephenKingCastAyahu.com and write Salem's Lot ending in the subject heading and that will help um, anyone that writes in. I will definitely share my thoughts there. Okay, guys, this was the first episode. Um, as you can see, it is a lean, mean, tight episode, um, just about 30 minutes. These are not the lengthy hour and a half episodes that I um, did when I was exploring the entirety of the book. Um, and I think that these bite-sized chunks will go down very well. It'll be easier for me to record and get them out on a weekly basis um, with the time crunch that I have uh, five years later. And uh, I think that they'll be very easily digestible uh, to all of you as you commute to and fro work or get a quick workout in or clean the kitchen or whatever you're doing when you're listening to the Stephen King cast. So guys, I have really enjoyed examining this first episode um, uh, in which I analyzed the conclusion of Carrie. If you have any thoughts, again, please write in to stephenkingcast at yahoo.com. If you have a couple uh, minutes on your hands, an iTunes review would really help me out. Feel free to subscribe to me on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. Um, I like to engage with everyone over on social media. Um, that's all I got for this week. So may you have long days and pleasant nights. And I will see you here next week where M-O-O-N spells Stephen King cast.